Hey everyone, welcome back to the For the Ladies podcast. Today is December 6th, and this week is the final major of 2020, the U.S. Women's Open. This episode is a bit of a hybrid because we also have a Ladies of Golf feature, and then it also falls under our Golf 101 series, so just hang in there with me. Anyway, I hope you find this as a primer for the U.S. Open, which is truly the one for professional female golfers to win. I also hope this interview gets you pumped for the championship and helps you enjoy it even more than I know you already will. Before we get into the interview, let's review where you can tune into the championship. Coverage for the first and second rounds will be on Golf Channel and NBC's Peacock streaming service. The third and final rounds will be on a combination of Golf Channel, Peacock, and NBC, but you'll likely catch the final putt of the champion on NBC. So if that was a lot of information, which it was for me, you can find all the TV times on uswomensopen.com. Now let's get into our interview with Samantha Marks. Samantha is a marketing manager as well as a co-host on Travis Fulton's podcast, The Stripe Show. We talk about how she got into golf, her collegiate golf experience, and the year she competed in the U.S. Women's Open. We then get into this year's U.S. Women's Open, players to watch, information about the course, what to expect this week, just all the things. So I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, thanks for doing this with me. Of course, I'm excited. I want to talk about a little bit about you first. I am just to so everybody can get to know Samantha Marks. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you get into golf? Oh my god! So I actually started competing when I was six. So oh my gosh! Golf. Yeah, I was like the little tyke out on the range with my dad, like yeah. super young, um, and he just kind of let me do whatever. Like I would play in the bunkers. I would be like no shoes on running around the range. Like just let me do whatever I want at the golf yeah. course. And whether we were there for 10 minutes or, you know, two hours, if I said like, okay, I want to go, we would leave right away. He just yeah. wanted to kind of keep it as fun as possible for me. And I started playing in, um, all the like little us kids, six hole tournaments and three. Yeah. Tournaments and stuff like that, Cause I'm from Florida. So there's like all of those in that area. And I started playing them really young. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, I, I tried to play a couple sports. I swam for many years. Oh. Um, and then I played lacrosse for a couple of years, which is like, so not me, but I kind of, as I got older, kind of, um, was more apparent that golf was what I was the best at and like what I wanted to do the most and what I had the most fun doing with my family. And, stuff like that. So yeah, I started competing. Oh my God, now 20 years ago. Um, and you know, just grew up in AJGA scene. I was like the diehard AJGA kid went everywhere with that group. Um, but I mean, I grew up in the same, in the same class as like the Jordan Spieth's, Justin Thomas's Ricky Fellers. So, you know, looking back on it, they were good growing up, but like they weren't as like starstruck no. as, they, as they are now. So it's kind of weird to look back and be like, oh yeah, like I played with those guys. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. My mom started playing um, when she met my dad. Uh, now they're both like five and six handicaps. So they're, I mean, we have good matches when we're out there, which is so fun. Um, awesome. But yeah, competitive golf has always been a part of my life. So I'm super thankful for it bringing me people like you and, you know, the whole golf community together as a whole is just really great. And when did you realize that you could like play collegiately? Yeah, I would say around like my, sorry, eighth or ninth grade in high school year. Um, yeah. I was 
kind of like progressing in that AJGA scene and like progressing in the Florida junior tour stuff. And I was like, okay, I can like, I can hang with these people. And like, I'm actually kind of good, you know? And so yeah. then always my dream to play college golf because in high school, like you're on a team, but it's not really the same. And like, you know, you're just out there for a nine home match. And we weren't really like that great of friends with the people we were on the team with and stuff. And, um, I knew that I wanted to get out of Florida cause I was okay. a child and yeah. I was like, I need to get out, like not away from my parents, but like, I just wanted to experience something new. Of course. And, um, so I ended up going to North Carolina for two years and then I transferred to Arkansas for my last three years. So, um, Arkansas was definitely a better fit for me and okay. I really enjoyed my time there. And I, it was funny because I, growing up, I would always see like older friends transfer and I was like, I can't believe they would do right. that. Like, I mean, how could you be so like non-loyal to your school? Like, and then, you know, things happen and you yeah. have to do what's best for you. And for me, that is what was best for me. Cause I value so much like being happy and doing what makes you smile when you wake up in the morning and life is to me, life is way too short to put up with something like that when it's in your control. So, um, that's what I ended up doing. And I, I don't regret any of it. Even my time at North Carolina, I think, it, you know, everything teaches you something. And so that's, yeah, that was kind of my journey. That's amazing. And did you try to go pro or did you, were you ever considering that route? Yeah. So I was, that was like my whole life. Like that was, yeah. that was the next step. You know, you go, you play college and then you go pro and then you, you know, just do that. And I realized about a year out from graduation, cause I did five years. So I was taking a couple classes my last year, but you don't really have to like full on load yourself for your fifth year. Right. And so taking a couple classes and I was like, dang, I wasn't playing that well. And I started to just I never really liked practicing, but I started to hate going to practice. Mm. And I knew that in order to be a successful professional golfer, I mean, you have to sit out there and grind on the range and grind on the putting yeah. and grind on the golf course. And that's just something that for me, I wasn't interested in um, kind of, I'm not going to say torturing myself isn't the right word, but I wasn't interested in doing that when it wasn't something that was making me like overly happy. So kind yeah. of about six months out from graduation, I had like this panic moment of like, okay, what, what am I, I going to do, do now? I haven't paid attention to any of my classes. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, so I went to my, um, I went to my department head. I was a TV broadcast major. So I was majoring in like okay. being on air talent. And, um, I was like, do you think I can do this? Like, I'm, I have like two seconds to figure it out. So do you think I can do this or not? And he was like, yeah, but you're going to have to start, you know, paying attention yeah. and like, you know, being more active in, in class and in the projects and stuff. And so I did, and I kind of put my head down and went to work for the last six months. And I got a great job after college. I was a news reporter in Colorado for, um, oh. about a year and a half. How so, cool. I, mean, that was a, I like stepped completely away from golf. I didn't touch a club for almost two years. Wow. Um, but I was like a crime hard news reporter. Like I was out wow. on the scene at the local shooting at Walmart or whatever. Like it was, it was so just like completely different than what I thought I was going to be doing and ended up that that wasn't the right fit for me either. Sure. Um, as a, as a 22 year old, you know, living on their own in a city that you, you know, you don't have any friends and you don't know being in that kind of depressing, tough, hard news, crime, death, um, environment is, is really hard. And it took a toll on me and I was kind of like, okay, 
I want to get out of this. I want to get back in golf in in some capacity that I wasn't playing. And yeah. so I happened to see um, a job on golfchannel.com or whatever the website was. And I, um, I applied and I, I didn't know anybody there or anything. And I um, That's awesome. ended up getting the job and I moved back to Orlando uh, right before Christmas of 2018. So I've been back almost two years now. That's amazing. So tell us what you're up to now. Yeah. So obviously golf channel, you know, is moving and they, they laid off a lot of people and myself and a lot of my team were, were many of the ones affected. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a really weird, like shock moment for a lot of the people who yeah. didn't know what was going on because there were a lot of people who knew that this move was happening. And then there were people like me who'd been there like a year and just had no clue. So yeah, when it was kind of sprung upon us, um, I had no idea what to do. There are now, you know, several hundred people in golf looking for the same jobs. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of grew myself a little bit of a Twitter following in the last year and a half. It's nothing major, like all these, you know, page frantics <laughs> of the world, but I, I find myself kind of funny. And so I, um, I had some people reach out to me and say, you know, Hey, I see, you know, cause I did, I did some Twitter stuff for golf channel and some website management. Sure. Some people said, Hey, you know, I see you doing this. Like, would you, would you want to do this for my brand? Or like, do you want to work mm. together and, and stuff like that? And so I, I started doing that and I owning a business was never really like, has never, ever been a thought of mine in my yeah. life like, ever. And it kind of just fell into my lap, uh, like in the weirdest way. And now I have several clients running social media channels and marketing campaigns. And That's wonderful. Email newsletters and websites and YouTubes and just oh a bunch God. of stuff I have going on. And um, it's, it's it's some in golf, some out of golf. It's a little bit of a mix of both, but, but yeah, it's been good. And I mean, I get to travel and play cool golf courses and work on my own time. So you can't really beat it. That's amazing. And yeah. you are funny on Twitter. So I get it. <laughs> I'm... Yeah, it's been fun. Twitter, I feel like I'm so much more able to just say whatever I want, like just yeah. the dumbest stuff. Cause Instagram is very like buttoned up and like, I got to put filter on and like, yeah. you know, make sure my hair is perfect and the, you know, everything is, and a Twitter is just like, I don't know, you know, here's some random thought I had today. And then I, my thing is like, I try to be really relatable and tweet about the good and the bad. And I was, I was very open about, you know, how tough it was for the golf channel thing. Yeah. Me and for my team. And so I think a lot of people really took to that and, you know, seeing that, okay, she's, she's, you know, just like us. And that's kind of what I try to be like, um, on Twitter. So it's been fun. And I have kind of like these very loyal followers now. That's right. Really fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it worked out. I think owning your own business, like whether you do it forever or not, it's like such a good learning experience. And that's awesome. Absolutely. I think my dad is a financial planner and he's okay. kind of had to sit me down and say, you know, this is what this means. And this is what this means. And yes, you need a business bank account and yes, you need to do this. And I'm like, eh, I'll figure it out. And then he's like, no, you need to do it now. And it's like, like now, yeah. Stuff that I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I know nothing about business, but I don't in comparison to what I know about other things. So sure. it's been a fun learning experience. And I, I like, um, I like the challenge and the, you know, being on your own schedule and challenging yourself to wake up earlier and take care of your crap and you right. know, get your stuff done. So it's, it's good. Oh, good. Well, today we're here to talk about the women's open yes. and you do have like a little bit of experience because you played in it. Was it 2012? I did. Yep. So yeah. 
right after I graduated high school, I mean, I played in the qualifiers every year from when okay. I was like 15 or something. It's just kind of something you do. You get in the, in the routine of trying to qualify for the amateur, the open. The There's a circuit girls. for There's sure. Like, it's just in your schedule every year. And for me and my family, um, it's just me and my parents and my immediate family. And my dad owns his own company and my mom doesn't work. So we would try to go cool places for, um, for qualifiers. And I was very fortunate enough that we had the ability to do that. And we would always try to schedule them or pick the qualifiers that were in places where we had friends who lived there. Mm. So in 2012, right after I graduated high school, I was about to head into my freshman year at North Carolina. And uh, we had friends in Bethesda, Maryland, which is yep. right near DC. And we were like, okay, let's go up there and see the Menard family. Like, I don't know. It was just so random. <laughs> and um, we noticed that there were, you know, they were letting quite a lot of people into that spot. Cause there's, you okay. know, there's a certain number of people in the field. They only, uh, only a certain number of people advance, and it's like a small percentage or something. I don't remember what it is. And so we went up to Woodmont, which, um, yeah great very well-known course up in that area little did we know though it was a stop in lpga events so there was an lpga event the weekend before and an lpga event the weekend after like right in the same state and we were like, so i show up and there's like all these lpga players in the range and i'm like mm, well this backfired like right. <laughs> like yeah they're letting in nine people but like have you seen the field so right and you don't know the field or anything like that until you show up to the site and how many players okay. are taking and stuff like that. It's, it's very weird with the qualifiers. And so the course was insane. I actually shot six over total and I made mm. it. Um, wow. So I shot, I want to say, I sh God, I should, I should know what I shot, but I don't, I want to say I shot like 76, 78, 72 or something. I played bad in the first round. And then in the second round, it's 36 in one day. I birdied four of my last five holes. Wow. Um, and I didn't know it was to make it. We had to sit around sure. often, and like, you know, you watch the little arrow on the leaderboard yeah. down and, and it was just so cool to have that experience at such a young age. It was the only one I ever played in and I didn't play well. I missed the cut. Like I, but I wasn't, who cares going though? To, I wasn't yeah. going to win, you know, like, right. yes, I probably thought that I could have at that point, whatever, but I was just going for the experience. And then when I was there on the Wednesday of the tournament, I actually had a hole in one. Right. So that's yeah. like my claim to fame. Like if anybody ever tries to talk crap to me, I'm like, okay, but did you do this? So it's yeah. like, it's a funny joke. I don't say it to be mean, but, um, that was a really cool experience. It was July 4th of 2012. Oh. So me and my parents were in all this like matching USA clothes. And like, I made this hole in one with this brand new six hybrid that I had. It was like, it was amazing. But um, yeah, the experience as a whole at the U.S. Women's Open is just completely different than um, like what I played. I played in a couple other LPGA events in my career, mm -hmm. and the U.S. Women's Open is just like that level above that that USGA standard. That's just a little bit higher than everything else. And you know, from the locker rooms to the mm. the staff and the fans and the and the course and. I played at Black Wolf Run, which is a very long course for an 18-year-old. I, yeah. I never played it that far. I wasn't like a Maria Fossey growing up or anything, but um, it was just a little bit, a little bit of a step above everything else that I've ever played in, and it was such a cool experience. Oh, that's amazing! That's so yeah. fun. I'm, I mean, I think the obvious, like tip in a normal year, the Women's Open stands apart because of its qualifying system. Yeah. I'm. 
But is there anything else? I mean, you talked a little bit about like the staff and the way it's set up, but I, you know, I just keep hearing like, this is like the one for women to win, which I think is so cool. Yeah, I think you made a good point though. I think it stands out a lot because of its accessibility. I know that this okay. year is a little bit different, but I mean, you can, as long as you have a decently reputable handicap, like my mom could show up to a qualifier and, and make it, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just really cool that it's that inclusive and that is why it isn't open. Um, yeah. Obviously this year, because of COVID, the qualifying was a little bit different. They took people based off rankings because they didn't have formal qualifiers. But um, other than that, it's just, it's like I said, it's just like one step above what you think it would be. Like you walk into the nice. locker room and you're expecting this cool locker room and it's even cooler than that. Or you walk into the player dining room and you're expecting this like great lunch and it's like even better than that. So it's, I don't, I don't know how to explain it in, in perfect That's okay. terms, but I think it's that accessibility factor is definitely number one. And it is our like country's major, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what's cool. It's the OG major, so to speak. So yeah. I think that that's, that's kind of where the history lies and why people find it so kind of um, on a pedestal, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we use this For the Ladies podcast as kind of like a golf 101. So we're going to just like cover the basics of this tournament, this championship. So, so this year's the 75th anniversary of it. It is taking place in Houston and it is at Champions Golf Club. This year, it's going to be conducted on two golf courses, which typically it's just one course. Uh, and for you, it was just at Black Wolf Run, for example. Yep. So, so do you think, what, do you know anything about the courses? They're called Cypress and Jackrabbit. Like, what can you tell us? Yeah. So originally this was supposed to just be played at the Cypress Creek course. It was just supposed to be all four rounds in the Cypress Creek course. Um, but there's two courses at the champions golf club. And when it was in, when it was supposed to be in July, they weren't going to be dealing with daylight saving time. So they were just going to be able to play all four rounds, the Cypress Creek course. Um, now, since it's obviously at a later date, it's in November, it's dark early now, everywhere in the country. Sure. They went to the, um, the Jackrabbit course for one of, one of the rounds. And then, and the weekend they'll play the Cypress Creek course. So I have a, I'm sure you know the name Pernilla Lindbergh. She's a great Hmm. friend of mine. I actually talked to her this morning um, and she was out there. So I have a little bit of insider info. Ooh, Um, love it. I I came with notes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you're doing great. But I I talked to her this morning and she said that she was there this weekend. She went like two weeks early to kind of get the lay of the land since it is two different courses. A lot of players will do that um, rather than banking on just having three days to look Mm. at one course like normal. Um, she said it was pouring rain both days she was there and the greens were still maybe the fastest she's ever put it on. Wow. Um, even in the middle of the pouring rain. So that tells me that I'm really excited. Putting is always my favorite thing to watch in major championships, like watching okay. the Masters. I don't even feel like I really look at anything else besides when they're on the putting greens. Um, yeah. One thing that she, she did notice was that the Jackrabbit course's greens are a little bit smaller. Mm. Um, granted, they only play at one time, but that is something to look at. Um it's, she said, they're obviously both really great courses. Not one is maybe better than the other Cypress obviously will be played three times, but, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the players kind of prepare and what the storylines are heading into the tournament. Cause two, two courses is always a little weird for the preparation yeah. factor, especially for a major. And there is a tournament this weekend. So it depends on like how, if people played the event before, if they didn't play the event before, um, how it's all lining up and how they like to go into the major, their best selves. So I'm excited. Um, I love Texas golf. I always love playing there in okay. college. 
Um, so yeah, I think it'll be really fun. So for those that may not know with the greens being smaller, that means they have a yep. smaller target. Um, yep. is there like anything else that would make it like a smaller green be harder to compete on? Um, well, you really have to watch out for players short games on a smaller right. green because if they miss, if they miss that target on the green, then the ball's going to, if the greens are really fast, the ball's going to roll off the green. And then chipping onto a smaller target is still difficult as well. So, but then if you look on the opposite side, if you look at the Cypress Creek course that has bigger greens, then you have to look out for things like lag putting, putting speed. Um, you hit it far away from the hole. Are you able to make a long putt? Are you able to two putt? Or are you going to struggle with that green speed? Um, so that's what I would look at the most is if, if you're looking at, I don't know if this is maybe your first time betting or something, you want to look yeah. at things like strokes gained putting strokes gained around the green strokes gained approach. Um, distance is distance is always going to be important off the tee, um, and keeping it in the fairway, especially at a USGA event, as we know, but, yeah. um, for greens that are smaller, hitting those specific targets, distance control with your wedges, your short irons are going to be, um, what those players need to focus in on the most. Okay, noted. So Jun Young Lee Six is defending her title. Um, it was her first major victory, her first LPGA Tour yeah. victory, like absolutely insane. Um, and very cool to see her be just like so genuinely excited and honored and humbled to win the championship. With that said, she obviously was staying in her home country while she was while the the world was dealing with COVID, but she has come to the United States. She competed in the Pelican women's championship. She didn't finish very well though. So like what I I just like, I'm not a competitive golfer. So I like, can't really speak to this. Like, do you like, is it going to be hard for her to defend like playing internationally versus here in the U S like what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a good point though, is it is her, it was her first win and her first win was a major. And I think anyone who wins their first win as a major is going into go, is going to go into any event after that with these high expectations, right? Because it's not like you won, you know, a day-to-day tournament of the LPGA, not to say that that's easy to win, but it is a level easier than a major championship. And I think that factor will be hard for her, especially for not being in that super competitive LPGA mode for the for as long as maybe some of the other players, like you look at like the Cordas or the Kangs or the Hendersons, um, stuff like that. So I think that that will be harder for her, but also you have to look at it as they are professionals. They can compartmentalize that kind of stuff. They can look at a tournament as just being that week. Um, and that's how players win multiple times because they don't bring the crap from last year or the crap from last week into this week. So I don't think personally that she will have a hard time being near the top of the leaderboard even with her rough finish at the pelican i think she's a great player and i think once she has a couple maybe even the first two rounds might not be as great but once she gets mm. back in that in that swing of things um with all the people she's used to seeing on the course you know the tournament competitive feel obviously it will be different with no fans um but i do expect to see her near the top of the leaderboard when sunday is all said and done for sure love it okay another one that I just like have been loving recently is Sayon Kim who won the Pelican. Um, This was two weeks ago, but it was her second consecutive victory because she just like hadn't played six weeks um, in between. She had won the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. She's like so fun to watch for me. She has like a swagger. She wears her Sunday red. Like, I think she's great. Who is along with her, I guess, who else would you kind of like keep your eye on in Houston? 
Yeah, I'm with you with Sam Kim. I love watching her play as well. But if you're looking for somebody else to watch, I love I love my girls like Nellie Corda, Brooke Henderson, Daniel Kang, even Lexi Thompson. All okay. four of those players are in the top 10. Well, Lexi is 11th of the Rolex women's rankings okay. going into this week. So they're all, you know, in prime form right now. Um, you look at a player like, like Nellie Corda. She withdrew from um, the last event, but she hasn't been outside the top 10 in the rankings in almost a year, in 48, mm. 48 weeks. So she withdrew from the KPMG Women's PGA with an injury. So that was a little concerning. Assuming she got that under control, um, she was playing so good up to that point. She was right. fifth at the top right, second at the ANA, tied for third at the Walmart. So you have to look at a player like Nellie, but then you also look at a player like Danielle Kang. She hasn't played so hot at the beginning. Yep. She hasn't played since the drive on, but she's ranked number one in the race of the CME globe. She's sixth on tour in greens and regulations. So that's something Mm. you need to look at when you're looking at courses with smaller, bigger greens and, you know, stuff like that. You look at greens and regulation. She's third on tour in putts per green and regulation, which means that she's having, you know, the least amount of putts per green that she hits for if that doesn't make sense to anybody yeah Um, so I don't think you can go wrong betting on either of those players if you're looking just at like trending values and statistics nice nice so Sophia Popov another awesome player on the tour um she'll be making her second women's open start I am so she for those who don't know, we actually had her on the podcast. She's great, but yeah. she mostly was playing on the Symmetra tour. She like won a few events on the cactus tour when, when COVID hit and they had a break. Um, and then she had her first major victory at the AIG women's open overseas. So I'm um, I, like, I don't know if I can specifically root for certain players, but she, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a fan of hers. Um, and is there any, are there any like names that maybe most don't know? who they should keep their eye on, I guess. Well, I'm definitely with you on Popov. I mean, what a story. As a, but as I said before, you have to think the players who win a major first. Sure. Are, you know, under a little bit more pressure. That's when it comes so to funny. Yeah. Major. I mean, she, I love how she kind of stood in that spotlight and was very honest and forthcoming about what she's gone through, what she's going through as a developing professional. I mean, she's still so young. Yeah. Um, you have to love it. You have to root for her. Um, and I also really love how the golf community just kind of like wrapped our little arms around her and we're like, immediately our favorite story. <laughs> yeah, I know we all, we all picked so up cute. on it very quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, she's amazing. So I'm with you on that. I'll root, I'll root for her with you where I think we're allowed. I think, I think we're going to, it's fine. Allowed. Yeah. Yes. I'm with you on that. Uh, no, she's great. That is so funny. I forgot that they're like this year there, you know, a lot of the major champions were first time champions even on the it men's side, like the, yeah, I know like yeah. Colin Morikawa with the PGA and yep. um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of that has to do with the fans thing. I know. Um, I do think that it is a factor, but at the same okay. time, you, at the same time, you still have to be good. You still have to get it in the hole and you still have to beat everyone in the field, whether there's people watching or not. So yeah. I understand that maybe the internal pressure or, you know, the, the competitiveness with there being the pressure of the people there watching you, you know, right over your shoulder might be a little bit different, but I mean, you still got to beat everyone in the field. You don't get an exemption for, for that. So I think that, um, everyone there's, there's first time winners every year. I don't think that it's, I think that it's just a little bit more, pointed pointed out this year because we don't have anything else to focus on if that makes sense yeah so, I know yeah I'm excited to watch her too 
So there's just like a lot of fun players in the women's yeah. open field. I'm like super pumped. Um, but aside from the professionals, it obviously is quite a large amateur field, um, yeah. which is obviously something we alluded to before. It's something that makes the championship so special, but there are 20 amateurs that were added. One of those being the number one in the world, which is Rose Zhang. She even just won this past weekend on the AJGA circuit. So like she's, I like, I'm so excited to watch her. And I just, I think I was just talking to somebody and she finished in the top 10 at one of the majors this year. So like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just really curious and very excited to watch her play golf. Do you know anything about Rose? I mean, I just know that she's really good. I mean, think about that like, sentence that you just said. She just won an AJG and now she's going to go play in the Women's Open. Like, yeah. that's crazy. And that's what I mean that I think it's so cool about the U.S. Women's Open is that there are players like that. Um, mm-hmm. There are high school kids and, you know, kids who are 14, 15. I mean, what did Lexi Thompson start playing the U.S. Open yeah. when she was 12? Lucy Lee. So, exactly. So yeah. it's just, it's a cool kind of inclusive community. I'm excited to watch her as well. It's crazy thinking that someone that young um, I mean, really could be in the running, um, yeah. but I mean, obviously, as we mentioned, as far as amateurs go, it's weird. Um, there's not traditional qualifying. Like when I was, when I was qualifying, there were qualifying sites and you, you know, went to the event. If you didn't play well that day, you didn't get in. So, um, it's strange, but looking at the amateurs in the field, somebody else that I really like is yeah. called Lucien Bouchard. She okay. is, I don't know if I said that right but she has held, she held the women's, the world amateur golf, number one ranking spot for the first half of the year before Rose took over. Okay. Um, she is a Gamecock at the university of South Carolina. We won't hold that against her, but <laughs> um, this is her first U S women's open. So okay. even though it's her first open, she's been playing really well last month. She won a college event by five and her team won by seven and she's won twice this year alone. She's had five top five finishes only in nine starts. I mean, wow. that's insane to finish, to finish half of your events in the top five in college is insane. Um, so just knowing kind of how the college golf space is that competitive and hearing that statistic, I was like, okay, this girl has to be really good. Obviously they're all really good. Um, the U S open is quite a different test than the college athletics. So, um, sure. do I think she'll win? Maybe not, but do I think she's a name that if you saw a bunch of highlights from her and they're, you know, she's near the top of the leaderboard with an A next to her name, will I be surprised? No, I won't be surprised. Got it. Nice. I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to watch the, the amateur players. They're always, I just think like they're always such a breath of fresh air and it'll be obviously interesting with no fans, but again, like maybe that'll make it even better for them. Yeah. I like watching it a lot because, and I especially like watching the women because their yardages are more like ours. Sure. Their games are a little bit more like ours. They don't hit it 400 yards off the tee and then make me be like, all right, I don't even know what line I would have taken on that hole because you know, I like to watch the the hole and think where I would be. Or sure, where, sure. you know, where I, what club I would hit if it was 155 yards or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so these, these players, especially the young amateurs are more so suited to the viewer, the viewers game, which is what I think people really enjoy about watching the LPGA, but also about watching the US Women's Open. Yeah. There's a lot more opportunity for like miraculous shots and yes, exciting exactly. moments. Yeah. Yep. I love so that. if there is just one, like I am going to casually tune into the US Women's Open and there's one thing that I should pay attention to, what would, what would it be? <laughs> oh God. Like a player or just a thing or anything? Just like, if I'm just like sitting casually watching and I'm just like, what should I just like be like looking out for? Or like, what, what could I get excited about? 
Okay, I have two answers. Okay. Um, one is if you're just watching for fun, I would say watch for the how the ball is controlled around the greens. So when the okay. ball lands on the green, what it does. Yeah. Um, spins back really fast if it shoots off. Um, that's something that those players are going to be watching very intently, especially during the practice rounds, during the first couple rounds, seeing how the greens are reacting, um, seeing how they're going to have to shape their shots and control their shots into the green in order for it to either stick or maybe roll out a little bit towards the back of the green. Um, and so with that, though, is also the same putting speed thing, mm. um, you know, controlling that distance to the hole, controlling um, getting it in that kind of bucket around the green. You, if those long putts, you want to be within kind of a three foot circle, my dad would always say um, <laughs> to make sure that you probably will make the next putt. Yeah. Um, but if you're watching from a perspective of, you know, I might want to take up golf or I might yeah. be interested in, you know, getting a little bit better, watch these girls tempo. It is mm. insane. You will not okay. see a Matthew Wolf type swing out there. You will see this slow, controlled, beautiful tempo, and then just watch them whack the crap out of it. It's insane the amount of people, even when I post a swing on Instagram or when I post a swing on Twitter, who will respond like, do you know how good I would be if I had that tempo? It's like, and I'm not even, I mean, I'm not even that good anymore, but it's like the, the women have such control over their backswing and over their tempo that that is something if you're wanting to pick up the game, if you're wanting to get better in, in the sport, that's something that you have to rein in. And it's so peaceful to watch. Um, so I would say that that is something on the player front to watch out for, for sure. Okay. No, that's great. I think, yeah, a lot of us like step up and then we just want to like kill it. So it's probably yeah, which is fine, which is fine. But on the way back, you're not hitting it going back. Right. I love that. That's so true. Yeah. Well, we're kind of on that trajectory. So what the last question I ask everyone is just what advice would you give to women who want to pick up the game? Oh God. Okay. Just go. Like, I don't like just ride in the car with your boyfriend, carry the beers, blast some music, wear a cute tank top, put your hair in a cute high ponytail, go to the range, just swing as hard as you can. Like you're not it's your first, second, third, 10th time on the range. You don't need to be concerned about where the ball's going. I wouldn't even look at it, honestly. Um, that's why going to places like top golf and stuff like that is so fun. And it's making the game more inclusive because you can order ice cold beer, you can order nachos and you can be still having that same environment with your friends. So propose the next date night that you go to top golf or you go to drive shack, or you go to the, the par three course around the corner or just the practice putting green. Um, money on it, you know, try to tell people, you know, get, get a little gambling game going. It's so much fun when you can just be out there with, with your friends and you don't need to get caught up in the techniques or the swing mechanics when you're new to the game. Honestly, like you said, just grip it and rip it. That's, that's my biggest advice for players who are new to the game. No need to get caught up in all the, in all the drama of the mechanics yet. Oh, love it. Well, thank you so much for all of your knowledge about the women's open and the women playing the game. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to kind of just like sit back and watch. I'm so excited too. And people are saying, you know, people have said for the past few weeks, oh, golf is over. We'll see it in January. Nope. There's still one more major and it's going to be really fun. It's a good one. A lot of great players. So beautiful course and nothing better than watching golf on an afternoon on the couch. So I don't care who I'm watching. I'm still going to do that. So love it. Love that. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our original music is composed and performed by my talented and wonderful friend, Ryan Young. If you're looking for more from For The Ladies, visit us at fortheladies.net and on Instagram at fortheladies. That's F-O-R-E. 